0: When all else fails, follow the directions, Pastor Xavier Reese says, even more so in ministry.
1: It seems that we are so set on doing everything we can apart from God, and once we are convinced that we can't do it, then we say, well, we might as well pray. No, it's the very first thing we should do. But we must look to Him and allow Him to see our hearts. We're trusting in Him. We don't want to do our will. We want to do His will.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Apostle Paul is perhaps regarded as a godly man, a zealous servant of Jesus Christ, and a powerful preacher of the Gospel. But it is here, at the close of the book of Acts, that we see Paul as a very wise man in practical matters, a man who is a leader of men. In fact, Pastor Xavier will be highlighting five notable characteristics of leadership from Paul that surfaced amidst the dramatic shipwreck he survived heading to Rome. Let's begin our Simple truth Study.
1: Acts chapter 27 and 28, and the title is Spiritual Characteristics of Paul. Paul the Apostle suffered at the hands of both the Jews and the Romans, as you know, being a religious and political scapegoat. The two-year incarceration in Caesarea ended in Paul's appeal to Caesar. Now Paul is on his way to Rome, just as the Lord Jesus had promised to him, and he would bear witness of him at Rome. He told him this back in Acts 23, 11. Yet many of the events that would take place throughout this journey, as we'll see this morning would appear to contradict the promises of God to Paul. How could Paul be obedient and faithful to God in such difficult circumstances? Well, remember when we looked at chapter 20, verse 22 through 24, Paul gave us the key as he gave us the principles that would allow him to endure victoriously his sufferings. He said, first of all, he was spiritually bound. He said, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Then he said, secondly, Paul was spiritually prepared. He said, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. And then thirdly, Paul said, he was spiritually conscious. But none of these things moved me nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. I believe we also can and will be faithful to the difficulties and the testings of life if we learn from Paul's life as he walked in the spirit with Jesus. There are many situations and circumstances in our lives that will test us. And the test will be to try to have us compromise or to not trust God's word at all. So we must walk by faith, not by sight. Not by emotions. Being filled with the Holy Spirit continually to be obedient to God's word. It's where the rubber meets the road. And so... I believe God would have us to pay heed to this voyage that gives us five notable characteristics manifested by Paul as evidence of being a spirit-filled man. And we're going to pick them out through these two chapters. Let me give you the five. Paul was a man of faith. Paul was a man of prayer. Paul was a man of action. Paul was a man of many friends. And Paul was a man... Of the Word. Those are five things that I see in these two chapters that were paramount for him as a man filled with the Spirit of God. It begins here in chapter 27, verse 1. Uh, Paul believed God's Word that he was going to arrive at Rome. Paul's journey to Rome was the fulfillment of God's promise to Paul. Verse 1 says, And when it was uh, decided that we should sail to Italy, They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan Regiment. You remember that in chapter 19 of Acts, verse 21, Jesus had revealed to Paul prior to leaving Ephesus that after Jerusalem, he was going to go to Rome. So the Lord had already prepared his heart way back there. And God will tell you and myself many things at one time and then years will pass and he has to remind us and we have to remember those things. We have to remember our walk with God. In fact, he communicated that very fact to the Romans when he wrote to them in chapter 1, verse 15 of Romans, in chapter 15, 28. That his desire and longing was to roam, and those were his plans. Now, back in Acts 23, 11, Jesus appeared to Paul, remember, the following night after the riot in the temple. When, without doubt, he must have been a little discouraged after coming there and not realizing that all these things were going to happen though he told them and you and I may be warned of something but when it happens it does still take us back a little bit remember Paul was a man just like you and I okay he didn't walk on water and so I'm probably a bit discouraged Uh, there Jesus says be of good cheer Paul for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem so you must also bear witness at Rome now notice here in the first verse you have the word we the plural here again Luke is back on board with Paul We're going to see Aristarchus is also with him. Now, the destined port is Italy, it says here in verse 1. The apostle Paul was entrusted, notice, to the centurion named Julius, along with other prisoners. Now, the centurion is one who's uh, commanded over 100 soldiers, and now he's responsible to deliver Paul, along with the legal paperwork that is being handed over to him. Uh, he is going to take him on his last leg of the journey all the way to Rome. Now, the other prisoners probably were condemned men to death and they were going to be taken to the gladiator shows of Rome where they would ultimately end up being killed in, by the, for the entertainment of people. The Augustan regiment here is believed to be a special cohort of Augusta, a regiment of auxiliaries, Um, these men specially chosen and everything. But notice also that Paul didn't allow the circumstance to undermine the Word of God. In spite of all that's gone on, we have to kind of get back off and look at the whole force. The attack of his life came right after the defense of the Sanhedrin and the promise of God. To him that he would witness uh, for the Lord at Rome in Acts twenty three twelve. So when God starts speaking to us and everything else, things will happen. But but he hung in there, depend on the Lord. Forty men vowed that they would not eat or drink until they would kill Paul. And yet God was in control. God intervened at different times, and yet there were practical precautions taken by. Rome through the counsel of his nephew that God allowed the news to be discovered or the plot. Again, the divine and the practical always take place. We don't always understand it or even see it. Two years he was in prison. It didn't discourage him. Acts 23 to 26, as he went before Felix in the Sanhedrin, as he went before Felix and his wife Drusilla, as he went before Festus, as he went before Herod and Bernice, over and over again. And now we find him here in the storm in verse 14 to 17 of chapter 27. Now, the storm was of the worst kind. Things got worse before they got better. Yet, he didn't charge God. I mean, here he is, he's getting on the ship, they're going off, it's going to go great, but as soon as they're okay, then things get bad. You been there? The tempestuous headwind arose here called Urokodon, meaning the northwest wind. I don't know if you've ever been on a ship out in the ocean where you don't see nothing but water. It's an airy feeling. I don't like it myself. Some people love it. I don't like it. I mean, I don't care how big that ship is. Out in the ocean, it's like a little pimple. And that's Jaws territory. I mean, you know. And it's bad enough when you're out there in a calm ocean, but when an ocean starts swaying, And you have a type of storm like this. You have 50, 60 foot waves. And the ships back then weren't that big. The ship was caught, verse 15 says, in the typhoon, the hurricane, making no progress. So they let her drive southward towards the island of Claudia. And in doing so, verse 16 tells us they were able to secure some protection from the island Claudia there, about 25 miles from the fair haven, and they secured the lifeboat or the Skiff. It was a a, a very difficult thing. They can't control the ship. All they can do is let it drive with it and and hope they can maneuver it and they don't get capsized. You understand? That's scary in the ocean. (laughs) Verse 17 says they undergirded the ship with cables so it would not break apart. This is known as frapping. They would drop cables off the bow, the front. And they would go under and men would run across both sides and bring the cables up and, and strap it. Kind of like your belt to hold you all together so everything doesn't bulge out. You know, kind of like that. I mean, this is scary for a boat that's built for the ocean and it starts falling apart and you're putting cables on it. These are real things. They understand the jeopardy, the dangers of this water. 276 men, minus Paul. One, he was not without hope. There was a man rolling a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls on a tie wire, and as he was going, making his way across, and he got to the other end, he asked the crowd, do you think I can do it again? They say, yeah. He looked down to the man and says, get in the wheelbarrow. You see, words are cheap. Being a Christian inside walls is fine, but you've got to go in the world. You've got to raise your kids. You've got to go to work. You've got to deal with the schools. And you can't just be silent. That's where the rubber meets the road. Faith is simply believing and acting on God's word. Be it in trusting, depending, resisting the world, or resting, simply obeying it. It is God's revelation of Himself for man as the standards of life and practice. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. Faith, for it to be legitimate and honored by God, it must be biblical then. It must be based on the revelation of God's word. Not my opinion. Not my hunch not in addition to, not in subtraction from, but only the God's revelation, the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. That's why it's important that you get in the Word, you stay in the Word, you study the Word, that you come to church, that you live it out. Anything apart from the Word is not faith, it's not biblical. It's just your religious belief, it's your opinion. A person Is a woman or man of faith when they believe and accept what God has recorded to be as the absolute truth. And so Paul was a man of faith. He based his entire life on the scriptures. You understand? Now, notice, secondly, we see Paul as a man of prayer. In chapter 27 here, verse 23, the apostle had an angel appear to him, perhaps, while praying. Often in the scriptures, you know, angels have appeared to men as they were praying. Daniel, in Daniel 9, 20 and 21, the angel Gabriel appeared to Daniel as he was praying to God, knowing that the captivity was almost up to the 70 years, and he revealed to him the 70 weeks of Daniel. Also, remember that um, the angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, as he was praying for his wife Elizabeth, who was barren. And there in Luke chapter 1, 11 through 13, he prayed and he told him that John the Baptist would be born. And it was a result of his prayer for his wife. Here in chapter 27, verse 21 through 26, God gave to Paul the assured hope by sending a heavenly messenger, an angel. Notice still in 21, the time was after long abstinence from food. And so then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Now, we usually take this as, you know, I told you so not to. That's not what he's saying. He's not rubbing in their faces. What he's saying is, listen, what I said was true in preparation of what he's going to say so they believe what he's going to say as being true. In other words, he's encouraged them to take what he's going to say as the absolute truth because what he's going to say is not going to be in accord with what's happening. Listen to what he says. The apostle here in verse 22 urged them to take heart. There would be no loss of life among them but only the ship. Whoa. (laughs) They're all bummed. They're all giving up. He says, now listen. You didn't hear me once. Listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. Verse 23, the authority was from heaven. For there stood by me this night an angel of of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. It's real personal. Now they've heard why Paul's going to Rome. And I'm sure Paul's already laid some gospel on them. (laughs) And all of a sudden things start happening. And all of a sudden they're all without hope. And Paul is providing hope here. In verse 24, the beginning also, the reminder to Paul was, do not be afraid, Paul. Which means what? Paul was afraid like any human, but he hadn't given up hope. You can be afraid. I've been afraid with having hope. Have you? Sure you can. You must be brought before Caesar. I don't care what you see, Paul. You're going to get there. You remember Jesus told the disciples, get in the boat, and let's go to the other side in Galilee, and then the storm came up. In their middle, oh Lord, don't you care we perish? They didn't listen to him. He said, get in the boat, And go to the other side. If Jesus says, let's get in the boat and get the other side, I don't care what happened between point A and point B. You're going to get to point B. And you have to remember that. Still in 24, the promise to Paul was, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. What a blessing you and I are to be to those around us who don't know Christ. They are recipients of our relationship to God. You understand? That's God's mercy. And in verse 25, the affirmation by Paul to the men was, Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as he was told me. Once again, Paul is encouraged by God by this visitation. But the precaution for their safety is given also in verse 26. However, P.S., <laughs> we must run aground On a certain night. Oh, bummer. You think they did that? No. Knowing the problem is half of the solution. That he warns them they're going to be shipwrecked will allow them to prepare for it, knowing they're going to survive. You understand? This is very positive. God is very faithful. Now, notice verse 33 to 34 the apostle prayed. Next, for their nourishment. Paul proclaimed their need of nourishment. In verse 33, Paul did this at daybreak. On the 14th day since they had eaten anything. 14 days, that's a long time. You're exhausted, you're weak. And one of the things when men and people give up whole, you don't eat. You just get to the point, forget it. And so in verse 34, Paul said this was imperative for their survival. None would be lost, not even a hair from their heads. The nourishment, of course, you know, would revive their strength and be able to drive and guide the ship that they were going to have to do. If they wouldn't take nourishment when that crisis came of taking the ship and beaching it, they would not be able to do it. I mean, can you imagine the commotion, those waves coming all over, the ship almost going all everywhere, and you're trying to get these things, and we can see the anchors, and, you know, and if you haven't eaten, you're not strong, you, you just you fall to the ground. Verse 35 of 27, Paul gave thanks for the bread in the presence of all 276 persons, and they all began to eat. He was not having communion, as some people say. These are all non-believers, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is not communion. He was acknowledging God as the creator, sustainer, and preserver on this voyage through prayer. And so Paul gave the 275 plus himself six. And the men were encouraged. He gave them encouragement, evident by their eating here the centurion, the prisoners, the helmsman, the owner of the ship, Luke, Aristarchus, Paul himself. All of a sudden, the command of the ship has been handed over to Paul (laughs) by God, by God. Now notice, next we see the apostle prayed for the sick at Malta once they were shipwrecked. Go down to chapter 28, verse 8. Paul prayed for the father of Publius, one of the leading men there who had been very... uh, Kind to them, providing for them three days with fire and food and shelter, and uh, he was ill of a fever here with dysentery. In verse eight, the word "fever" is a medical term once again used by Luke, and it is in the plural, appearing six times in the New Testament. Is the same word that is used for Peter's mother-in-law's fever in Matthew eight fifteen, Mark one thirty-two, and Luke four thirty-eight and thirty-nine, and it's only found one other time in John four fifty-two for a young man with a fever there. Now, the fever was a very serious one, and beyond medical cure in the days of Paul. His father would die eventually. It affected the intestines due to the infected goat's milk, which was common in the region there of Malta and the Mediterranean, called Malta fever. The microorganism which caused it was identified in 1887 and traced to the milk of Maltese goat's. So, as far as the illness itself, um, there was no hope for him either. And notice every time there's no hope that prayer is the foundation for all this. It's God is at work. Paul prayed in verse 9 of 28, and then he healed others also with various diseases on the island. They heard about the, the healing of Publius' father, and they started coming to Paul. And uh, diseases were of various kinds. Notice that. And, and and God healed them all. Paul did not say, well, that's not one of the diseases on God's list. Uh, we, 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 we can't cover that. Uh, God just healed them. Now, can you imagine the mind of the centurion and the soldiers and everybody? I mean, they know why Paul's there and, and they, they've been talking through the journey and God's doing all this stuff. Do you think they're they're getting the gospel? Do you think that some of these... Possibly came to Christ? I believe so. But I also recognize that many of them probably did not. They were willing to go along and trust while the tempest was on. But once they hit Rome, it was by. You understand? This is the reality of life. The people came to Paul. And look at verse uh, 10 of chapter 28. Paul prayed for their healings causing the natives to reciprocate in kindness by meeting all their needs and provisions. So there was this, this incredible relationship that God opened up through this shipwreck and the kindness and the healing and, and an opportunity to minister the gospel of Christ. Healing is God's sovereign doing. There's no magic on the oil or magic in the hands that are laid. We believe God in faith, and we trust Him for it, and, and He is sovereign. He knows why. Corey Ten Boom, in her devotional on March 7, shared the following in prayer. Quote, May we pray about little problems of my life or only about the big ones? One day when I had a bad cold in the uh, concentration camp, Betsy, my sister, prayed for a handkerchief for me. We laughed at the silliness of that prayer, but only a few minutes later, a woman came by with a handkerchief for me. We do not know what God considers important. We do know that He answers prayers, even tiny ones. It seems that we are so set on doing everything we can apart from God, and once we are convinced that we can do it, then we say, well, we might as well pray. No. It's the very first thing we should do. And then, God will direct and guide, but we must look to Him and allow Him to see our hearts, that we're not trusting in ourselves, we're trusting in Him. We don't want to do our will, we want to do His will. Trust in the
0: Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Pastor Xavier Reese, applying the promise of this simple truth of Proverbs to the sufferings of the shipwrecked Paul. Now, there's much more to this study to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message, and the title you want to ask for is Spiritual Characteristics of Paul. It's available on CD for only $4, and this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now once again, the title to ask for is Spiritual Characteristics of Paul, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese explains why the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't a fair-weather faith. Tell a friend to join us for more Simple Truths right here.